0: Welcome to the David Before Leadership Podcast. I pray it encourages you to move from surviving to thriving in your leadership. If you enjoy it, make sure you subscribe and share it. Here's today's interview. Pastor Dennis Watson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thank you, David, for inviting me,
1: man. I'm doing well. I'm grateful uh, just for the opportunity to be with you for this uh, interview.
0: Amen. Well, it's such an honor to spend a few minutes with you. You know, during this crazy time that we're all going through, I wonder what has God been showing you about yourself and about other people uh, through the COVID crisis? What have you learned about yourself?
1: Man, uh, what I've learned about myself is that uh, when uh, when things change, I have to refocus on exercise and discipline. Uh, discipline in my time with the Lord, discipline in my eating habits, discipline with exercise, discipline, spending time with my wife, all those kinds of things. So I've really, I really been challenged during this time in regards to a personal discipline. But you know, I also, uh, I'm reminded through all this crisis that we really, we never really prepare for crises, not crises of this magnitude. I don't know why, because you've heard me preach before about how we're always in some kind of storm in life. We're always in the midst of a storm, or we just come out of a storm, or we're headed for a storm, because storms are part of life. But then a big storm comes along, and we're caught by surprise. And so uh, that's happened to me. It's happened to us here at Celebration. And so, uh, you know, that's a, a reminder that it's always going to be something. Always going to be something.
0: That's so good. What have you learned about other people during this COVID crisis?
1: Well, you know, one, I've learned that people struggle so much with fear. Uh, fear is such a big issue. It's which one of the reasons right after the pandemic started, we, we launched a series titled Fight the Fear. And you know, if people can get victory over fear, uh, they can pretty well handle the situation. But, if, but fear can overwhelm you. Fear can overcome you. And so many people live completely in bodies to fear. I know now why the Lord said so many times in the scriptures, "Don't be afraid, for I am with you." You have to keep reminding yourself of that. But I'm surprised at how many people uh, sort of fear their fear. They have a fear of getting sick or a fear of dying or a fear of somebody else getting sick or a fear of the, of the economy crashing or all kinds of fear. People's lives are so dominated by fear that if you, if you aren't careful, fear will drive you crazy and rob you of every bit of peace and joy in your
0: life. Amen. Amen. Well, speaking of storms, I want to touch back on that. 2005, we experienced uh, Hurricane Katrina and you've experienced lots of highs and lows and what did you learn about that experience after coming back and seeing the devastation of Katrina? And what is something you would caution leaders in the midst of a storm? They may be facing a storm right now. What's a caution that you would say, hey, this is something you need to watch out for.
1: You know, sometimes I feel like uh, the guy who went to heaven and he had the, all the floods from South Louisiana and somebody bragging about all the floods he'd been through. And somebody said, you got to remember Noah's up here somewhere. And so in the last 15 years I've been traveling the world Teaching people how to deal with big crises and storms, and now this pandemic comes along, and it's, it's it's everywhere. It's the whole world, you know. But you know, we did learn some lessons back after Katrina that really um, that really helped us. Uh, you know, one of the things is is that uh, one of the things we learned is you got to always be listening for a Rama word from the Lord. You know, my story. It was I was up in Lafayette, Louisiana, the day after Katrina. I was depressed. I'd seen a uh, video footage of our campus underwater. I knew everything was lost, everything was gone. And uh, and I got a phone call from a pastor in South Africa and uh, lots of hundreds of people were trying to reach me. He was the first one to get through to me. And he, he gave me a word from the Lord that challenged me and encouraged me and and jump started me out of my discouragement and my depression. Same thing happened a few days later with Pastor, my good friend, Pastor Larry Stockstill up in Baton Rouge. And so one of the things I've learned is that when when things like this happen, you got you to gotta find a rainbow word from the Lord that you can hang on to, that you can believe in, that you can know is God's word for your life. You know, uh, I went from, like everybody else, I think in the beginning I was like, why is this happening, this pandemic happening, to really the, my question is, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? And what, what do you want me to learn? So I learned about I mean, yeah, if you can get a, if you can get a word from the Lord, a rainbow word from the Lord, man, it'll carry you a long way. Second thing I learned back in Katrina days is just the incredible love and compassion and support of the body of Christ. After Katrina, man, people came from everywhere to help us. I remember one of our mayors said on national television that the government couldn't help me and the Red Cross couldn't help me. Thank God for the churches and the Christians. One of our police chiefs in our in our region said, were it not for the Christians and churches are people to starved to death for the first few weeks following Hurricane Katrina. And so just the love and the generosity and the compassion of the body of Christ is a great thing that I learned there. And honestly, for years after Katrina, churches from all over the nation came alongside of us and helped us and those sorts of things. I remember even back then, uh, we we'd always invested in others. We had always sent money to others. We were supporting missions around the world. And uh, we actually had a church in South Africa start supporting us after Katrina. And we'd started a church years before in El Salvador. And that church sent us $3,000. You know what $3,000 is in El Salvador? It's like $30,000 in the U.S. And and just incredible generosity uh, of, the, of the family of God. I don't know why anybody would ever want to live a day of their life without being a member of the family of God. There's just so much love and compassion and generosity. And so I think also I, I learned that, um, Man, God is in the midst of all things, bringing about good to those who love Him. That He He actually used that what we went through after Katrina to make us stronger and healthier uh, as a church, made me stronger and healthier as a pastor, made us stronger and healthier as a church, and, and opened up new opportunities for um, for outreach and ministry and for impacting our region and world with the message and ministry of Jesus. And so. Uh, so even uh, the last uh, three, last 15 years, I've been telling pastors, you know, when crises arise, whether it's an earthquake or a tornado or a hurricane or some other kind of crisis, get a word from the Lord. Um, the body of Christ is going to come alongside of you and then see what new opportunities the Lord is opening up through the crisis you're in to help you better impact the world. You know, the thing we always got to remember is none of this uh, surprises the Lord none of his surprises the Lord, and so we got to count on the fact that God's always working behind the scenes to bring about good in the lives of those who love him. And
0: that's so good. You've been in ministry now for, I believe, over 40 years. You've seen a lot of people come and go, but you have stayed the course. Um, I honor you. I'm so thankful for your example and your longevity in the ministry. What do you contribute that longevity to? and what are you doing these days to challenge yourself here over 40 years later to continue to grow in the Lord
1: well you know to begin with I married above myself and so that's I've had, I have mean, had a great wife all these years and uh and you know man I still have a great friendship with her and passionate relationship with her and you know things like this man I just enjoy spending even more time with her and so I you know I i tell pastors man deepen that friendship with your wife deepen that relationship with your wife and uh so that's one thing another thing is that as you well know man every day i get up early in the morning and i read god's word and pray every day i've done that for 40 years every day and um and and you know my day the day before may have been a bad day i may have gone to sleep with all kind of burdens and problems and struggles maybe even temptations in my heart and mind. But when I get up and read the word, it just uh, it just reinvigorates me spiritually. And then when I pray and the Lord meets me in that prayer time, it just really re-energizes me. And so I, I, here's what I've found. Every pastor who's fallen by the wayside has neglected their time with the Lord. That that happened. That may have happened uh, uh, six weeks before, or a year before, or two years before, but. Whenever it happened, if they they got to a place where they were really overwhelmed and overcome by temptations and trials in life, it was because long before then they um, they disconnected from the Lord. They weren't close to the Lord. Uh, right now, you know, I'm reading um, some things. I'm reading The Gods at War by Kyle Ottoman, reading that book. I've been reading a lot on the subject of racial reconciliation. I read a book uh titled roadmap to reconciliation by brenda salter mcneil i read a book uh, one blood by john perkins great pioneer in the area of uh, of racial reconciliation ministry and i would encourage everyone to read everything that john perkins writes and then i you know i'm reading a lot of blogs and, and articles and stuff about uh, honestly i'm trying to learn how to do uh, online ministry and uh, i learn a lot about technology and so I'm trying to learn a lot about that during these times, but, uh, but, you know, it's at the same time with all the reading, reading is very beneficial and there's no substitute for digging in the Bible and the word of God.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, you're one of the most gracious people I've ever met. I really, I don't, man, it's like a gift from God, the way that you extend grace to others. I just admire you so much for that. How have you been able to extend grace and be so gracious towards difficult people. You know, people who are watching right now or listening via podcast—they may be in a difficult relationship, and they may not know how to extend that grace. So, what are some keys to, that have helped you over the years? Extend, be so gracious. <clears throat> well, you know, the first of all, the Lord
1: and people have been very gracious to me. Uh, you know, the Lord and people have been very gracious to me. I'm, I still remember where God brought me from, what He delivered me from, and I'm still just overwhelmed by the by the love and the compassion and the mercy of god and then people have been very gracious to me i mean, I remember as a young pastor twenty six years of age, uh, messing up, making some bad decisions, and people were so gracious to me back then, and, you know also think about uh, you just in the scriptures you know when sometimes we're tempted to want to jump on people or condemn people and but when Jesus said let him who is without sin cast the first stone I mean he put lots now the stone throwing business for all time when he said that and then uh, I was just in it today I just wrote an article about it I-, I probably lived a lot in Ephesians four and five four five and six and in ephesians 4 uh, Paul talks about always tell the truth he said don't let the sun go down in your wrath but if you do you get give a place to the devil talked about not stealing from others and that can be all kind of things and then he says let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth but only that which builds up or edifies or encourages other people of course he closes out that chapter by saying be kind to one another tenderhearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake has forgiven you and so really i want to live out those principles that we find in the word of god and then i think if you're surrendered to the holy spirit he's always going to be gracious you know Uh, sometimes uh, uh, even uh, even uh, I'm having a meeting today with someone who wrote me a nasty letter and so when I'm having a meeting uh, that person's wife actually contacted me uh, to ask me if I said I'm just meeting with him to love on to show him the love of the Lord and the grace of the Lord and the encouragement of the Lord because again I'm a recipient of that uh, and so much in so many different ways at so many different times I just want to show that kind of love and grace and mercy to others
0: so awesome well i want to touch back on you know the book one blood by john perkins and about racial reconciliation celebration church has always been a church known to be multi-ethnic multicultural you've always done a great job of that i wonder if you can speak in closing you know the last few minutes we have together to speak a word of hope and healing to our nation that has experienced injustices and racism and you have so much wisdom and, and such a great, great heart. I wonder if you can just share for those watching, and those listening.
1: You know, um, and uh, it's always been the heart of God to bring people together and, uh, uh, and to, to carry the message ministry of Jesus around the world. And, and so that's, you know, it's always been, we said from the very get-go at Celebration Church that we wanted to be a church that looked like heaven. And we kind of added to that sense that we want to be a church that not only looks like heaven because we, we're one of the most diverse churches in the nation, but we also want to be a church that acts like heaven as well. And so, uh, you know, it's obvious from the get-go that God has wanted to bring people together from racial backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, denominational backgrounds, all those kinds of things. But it's been per- particularly difficult, I think, in the area of racial uh, racial equality, racial justice, and all those kinds of things. So, from the get, from the very beginning of our church, we really uh, taught about that and pursued that. About how, you know, one of the things I think about the early church is that, um, in the day of Pentecost, there were people from all kind of different nations, ethnicities there, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they went out in all the world. And you find in the chapters that follow about Philip reaching the man from uh, Ethiopia. You find about in Acts chapter 13, there was a black man who's among the leaders of the church. and So that's always been the heart of God. I do think that that's been um, that, that people of color, you know, most of, the, most of the people in the world are not white. Like, the, the most of the people in the world are brown. Uh, the majority of people in the world are brown. A lot of big percentage of the people in the world are black, and some are Asian, those kinds of things. Uh, but I do think that those who... Who are in majority cultures? If they're Christians, they really have to make an extra effort to embrace and love on and receive those who are in minority cultures. And uh, and, and and I think that we that's got to be a, a passion for you. you. Know the Bible says that uh, in Psalm eighty-nine and fourteen it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, O God. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Now as christians a lot of times we want justice i mean we want righteousness but justice is part of that and then he goes on to say unfailing love and truth walk with you before you as attendants so you know i think that what is a passion for the lord has to become a passion for us righteousness and justice and love and truth and that we we've got to pursue those and and do everything we can to build bridges with people from different ethnic backgrounds cultures all those kinds of things
0: amen amen well pastor dennis i would love if you could pray for everybody who's watching those who are listening right now via podcast just what we've seen in the early church how the holy spirit came down how there was unity in the church and and the same for us that the church will rise up be the light in the midst of darkness for healing to take place for unity to take place if you could pray uh pray for everybody and pray for our nation
1: Heavenly Father, we just come to you together in the name of Jesus. I thank you, first of all, for David and his wife, Daniela. They are such a great blessing to me and to so many others. To see their passion for you and compassion for people is just amazing. And so I'm grateful for them and for their children as well, for Gracie and for Landon. And Lord, we thank you. We're grateful that you called us to be a part of a church and a ministry that's embracing people from every socioeconomic background, every ethnic background, every culture, every skin tone, that is your heart to, to reach all people with the message and ministry of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray. I know there's so much hurt and there's been so much deception and there's so, been so much oppression. Uh, I was with a group of African American pastors the other day and, and what they said was, and the American, American church has been broken from the get-go and they're right. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for the injustices that have taken place in the past. I pray that we would learn along with our black brothers and sisters and brown brothers and sisters and, and other uh, Caucasian brothers, we would, learn how to, uh, we would learn how to discuss honestly what has happened. We would learn how to discover uh, what you want us to do. We would learn how to lament together over the travesties the injustices that have occurred over the years and the decades and the centuries. And then that we would learn how to forgive and reconcile and, uh, and build relationships that nothing or no one can break apart. Lord, help us to love you like you called us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then help us to love our brothers and sisters in the very same way with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. One day when we get to heaven, Lord, I'm confident that, that you're not going to ask us how big our churches were, all those kind of things. What you want to know is, did we love you? Did we love others full of our heart, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? I pray that you would help us, Lord, uh, in whatever majority culture we may be in around the world, to reach across those uh, racial and, uh, and economic and class boundaries, Lord, to embrace people, to bring them along, to love them with the love of the Lord, to build friendships, to listen, to learn, to understand and to be, uh, to be catalysts for bringing about uh, racial reconciliation, class reconciliation, economic reconciliation with people around us. And we know, God, that would bring honor and glory to you and bring help and hope to so many hurting people. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dennis, for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for all that gold that you share with us today. We honor you. Thank you, David. I sure love you, man. I appreciate you so much.